Hi everybody, Stephen St. Clair here. I wanted to interrupt briefly to let you know that I have actually uh, cut this overall podcast into two uh, parts. Uh, it was really, by the time we were done, a little bit too long at almost two and a quarter hours, two and a half hours really. So, if you will please give a listen to both parts. Uh, I think you'll find that the story and testimonies that are being shared are worthy of your time. And thanks again. Stephen St. Clair, out. This is Stephen St. Clair with the Crafted Quill Podcast. Sadie K. Frazier from the Daily Escape Podcast. And we are doing something a little different. We're not even home. We are not. Where are we? Missouri. I mean, Missouri. <laughs> no, in all, all seriousness, we, as we try to look for different ideas and things to talk about, I realized one day, I was like, you know what? We're going down to see my brother and sister-in-law and there's a story to be told. Yep. You've been wanting to talk to them for a while and have them on. A little on. bit. So, welcome, listeners, to our show, that new and old. Uh, my brother Paul and his wife, Christina. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. So, the reason why we're having you on the show is this is probably going to be uh, point blank, but a very family-oriented show. And in saying that, let's talk about your family. You guys um, met in high school, correct? Yeah, we want to hear your story. How far back do you want to go? Blow <laughs> the dust off the covers. Well, we started going to school together in the eighth grade. Yeah. But um, we didn't officially start dating till the. Well, the end of the last day of high school, our senior year. Right. <laughs> that's a long time to go without the yes part or no part. Yeah, I had to wait two years for him. Uh, yeah, we didn't. You, you had a cutoff date, though, if I remember I right. Like, if he doesn't have to mail by this day. Really? Mm-hmm. He, did he know the cutoff? No. So you, I didn't talk to him. About you were lucky. Well, <laughs> we liked each other in high school. I think it started around the 10th grade when we... You know, we could we could tell we liked each other, but I had no intentions of dating in high school. <laughs> you know, when you're well, I didn't live at home, so it's not like I was going to listen to the phone conversation well, and giggle. It was more of, you know, I looked around and saw my friends, and they would date, and then they would break up, mm-hmm. and they would hate each other, mm-hmm. and it would split people up, and I didn't yeah. want the drama. I loved. I, you know, I worked a lot when I was in high school, and um, I liked my weekends of going out with friends and the freedoms with that, you know, those kind of things. So when I just kind of 
kind of made a rule that I wasn't going to date in high school with myself, and I stuck to it. So <laughs> you almost so, lost out. So I waited till the last day of high school was over. <laughs> was the last over. Day was over. <laughs> I'm I had written a note probably. I don't know, two or three weeks before the end of school, and I'd have that thing in my pocket. Check yes or no kind of thing? <laughs> kind of. Well, it, yeah, I was I was kind of pretty bold in my my, my, <laughs> my letter, but <laughs> it, I was bold in writing, but I wasn't bold in giving it to her. Because <laughs> it's set. I'm trying to remember. I think I had that letter in my pocket so long that I ended up having to rewrite it. Because he got all, he kind of got all messed up in my pocket so I think I rewrote it and, and you know what speaking of that I think I remember you when you met me at church at the, at the gathering center and you showed me a picture of Christina and your hands were shaking a little bit and I'm like you didn't say anything I'm like is she your girlfriend and like yeah I just asked her out I'm like well better late than never <laughs> yeah I was really Secretive about my. I don't blame him. Were you surprised? Stuff. Yeah, because I thought ready he to liked give up? me too for two years, mm -hmm. and I was praying about it. Mm -hmm. And I told God, "Look, if you know if it's okay for us to date, then I'd like Paul to make a move before school gets out." And it was the last day of school, mm -hmm. and I was trying to put myself out there a little bit more with flirting because he was reciprocal yeah, flirting. Yep. So I thought he liked me, and yep. about lunchtime, I was like, okay, I guess the answer is no. So I started to back off. Well, we went to a movie the last day of school. The class did, <clears throat> yeah. The, our class did it. Mm -hmm. So what was that stupid movie? It was one of those... Um, uh, Twister? It no, it was one where the comet hits the earth and... Oh, the, Bruce Willis. No, it was the other one. Is it... I can't remember. We'll Google it. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <coughs> so we watched that movie. She actually sat next to me in the theater, too. Mm -hmm. And so after the movie was over, we were all going our separate ways. And so we were out in the parking lot. <laughs> I didn't... She had already kind of walked to her car. I was in my car. Pardon me. Mm -hmm. I was scoping out where she was at. And finally got up the gumption to go up to her car. She rolled down the window. I handed her the note. <laughs> and I walked away. <laughs> I was already in reverse. I had parked next to him to give him, you know, a very mm -hmm. last shot. Maybe I'd talk to him after school. And... Um, I was ready to be done. I was like, okay, the answer is no. I thought I had my answer. So I was in reverse, turned around to leave the parking lot and mm -hmm. turned back to check the front again. And he was there with a note, Boop. slipping it in the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christina, would you say you were more on the traditional side of the guy doing the work and you being the lady and waiting for your, your night? Absolutely. I wanted to be wanted. Yep. That's, that's a good way to look at that. Okay, so let's flash forward. You guys went to college together. You were more college sweethearts by now, right? Yeah, we went to what was, it is University of Central Missouri now, but it's, mm -hmm. it was uh, CMS, Central yeah. Missouri State University back when we were going there at the time. Mm -hmm. So we had our freshman year there. So we ate all our meals together, you know, all those kind of things. So we got to know each other really well, really fast. Yeah, but we didn't even know that we were both going to school there until we dated for like a month. 
I didn't even summer. know where he was going to school, yeah. Hmm. It just worked out that way. Mm -hmm. so. And then when you found out where each other was going, did that change the scope of things? For okay. better, for worse? For better, because I remember asking him, "Where? what do you think you're going to do at the end of summer? Like, where are you going to college? Are, we, are you going to, do you want to continue this once we get to college? Or do you, is this just for the summer? What are you thinking? And, you know, so where mm -hmm. are you going to school? I'm going to CMSU. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm going there too. So, yeah, I'd That's like cool. to continue. Heart leaped mm -hmm. through your chest yeah. for a brief moment. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> okay, so yes. Flash forward even farther. How long were you guys dating before marriage came up? And then when did you make plans? We dated for a full year. So we started dating right after high school, so May. So it was right after the May the next year, after our first freshman year of college, is when I proposed. So. Mm -hmm. And then how long after that until you guys got married? Another year. Another year. So Very a year of engagement, mm -hmm. which I would never recommend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think time Eight years is way slow. too long. Yeah. <laughs> so at what point? And this leads into the meat of the story, the conversation about kids. When did that happen? And what was that conversation like, if you remember? Uh, well, every, I think every couple has the conversation of, do you want kids? How many kids do you mm -hmm. want? You know, your your dreams, all those kind of things. And, of course, I'm the, I just want two kids, you know. And, Chris, she's, I don't remember. What, what was your secret number? <laughs> My number was five. Three or five. And I was like, mm -mm. not two cool. wasn't enough. And I was like, no, sir. That was a weird number. Now. So, yeah, three hmm. or five. See how that worked out? Yeah, yeah. 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 we both have five kids. <laughs> oh, wait, shh, don't tell that part. So you guys have been married and when now um how can I say it? Obviously there was trying for children at some point. When in your child procreation did things like okay, things should start happening by now. And then you follow me, so mm -hmm. you were on top of the mountain, like, yeah, we got this, and then somewhere along the line, it's like, something's not right. We should be doing something by now. Let's say three years into it. It was two years. Two to three. I remember it was two years. And it, there, it wasn't like we should be doing something about it by now. It was like, let's see what's going on. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we'd been trying, and... Yeah. Well, nothing, you know. We more. hadn't been not trying. It's yeah. really, you know, <laughs> and when everybody around you is getting pregnant, it's like, mm -hmm. what is going on? Yeah. What's happening here? Yeah. Did, now, did That's both true. of you go get looked at, or? Yeah, we both got tested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, um, what, what ended up being the diagnosis, if you could, or you can shorten it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and I think we knew that before Paul got tested yeah because they said this could make it more difficult for you to have kids and that's all they said the first mm -hmm. time they didn't go into what it was or anything like that so then after two years of nothing happening then 
I was like, let's go find out what this mm -hmm. is. And I don't think they knew back then all the details they do now and treatments so. and things like that. It yeah. was just just yeah. first talked about. It felt sketchy, you know, not sketchy, but it was like, I don't know. It, it, it seemed like there was a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and you so go to doctor's visit and not be able to get the answers to mm -hmm. those it, kind of things. It sounds like they're avoiding what should have been told from the get-go and keeping things kind of on the shady side. I think because I was so young, mm -hmm. they didn't. They, they felt like they didn't have to tell me maybe because I was 19 um, even before before I had my first exam, just like before we got married. And, you know, they ask you questions about your cycle and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that it was irregular. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that might make it more difficult for you. And that's what they said. They didn't mm -hmm. say more difficult to have children. So I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't yep. ask because as long as everything came back normal, I didn't really care. Yep. Did they yep, recommend, um, once the path had been set, was there any kind of treatment or was there we went what through. options did you have at that point they gave us fertility treatments in which uh, I don't remember what it was called well, but we went we had treatments done where yeah uh, we went through multiple different kinds of treatments yeah there was the medication there was just medication to try to like yeah. regulate some I don't think they even said hormones at the time it was like um to regulate my I can't even remember what it was sorry so just for me and then um, like injections mm -hmm. eventually and then some other stuff and then we decided uh, not to go any further because it was going to be so expensive mm -hmm. yeah you get to a point where it's like you're either invested or you find an alternative mm -hmm. because it gets where you know treatments were like ten thousand dollars or no more and then yep. you know so you get to a point it's like all right we're either going to invest in this that's no guarantee or we mm -hmm. need to find another alternative mm -hmm. where there is a guarantee mm -hmm. and so that that's the difficult part and you and and all and through all this month by month you're going through this emotional roller coaster of did yeah. it work this time okay now we're broke again now we have to save up again for the next mm -hmm. treatment you know how many times are we going to go through this how many times are you going to go through another cycle that didn't work and then the the cr emotional crash each time that stuff happens and it's it's draining on you as it your is. relationship mm -hmm. the whole thing i mean it's it it's brutal <clears throat> oh yeah so so yeah. cost wise without really giving away dollars and cents you said you mentioned ten thousand. That was roughly like one shot, and then it didn't you, work, and you went back and tried it again, or you want it done. When you start getting into like where they harvest eggs and they mm -hmm. fertilize them and then they put them back, you know, mm -hmm. that's when you're talking about big bucks. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of where we were heading, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and like you know we had to really step back and go okay what what are we doing here right. you know where what's our goals you know those kind of things i and do want to say and i don't know if this is appropriate but it's still like a sore spot for me as you said what did it cost it cost me my job it did. because i told my employer i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna be gone i'm gonna be asking for one day a month 
for fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, it was less than two weeks later and I was, I'm doing air quotes here, laid off. Mm -hmm. So, and I know they talked to other people about it. Pathetic. Yeah. Because people had said, yeah, so-and-so told me that you guys were trying to have a baby. So... There was no integrity mm-hmm. at all from my so, on it. Really, the cost was higher than than the actual money. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't put a price tag on that. Really, right. no. So, and a lot of couples don't make it through even that process because no, it does affect your marriage too. Yeah. So, it starts it's stuff taking apart the treatments and stuff we were going through were probably like two to three thousand dollars a session. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we were doing, yeah. And so we were still a young couple at the time, you know. We were in our early 20s mm-hmm. still. and Full of like, and vigor still. We're like, you know, we don't have that kind of money just laying around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we had to save up and, <clears throat> okay, we can afford it now again. And so you can only do that so many times, mm-hmm. you know. Especially after you lose a job. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's true. right. And you're down to one income still Especially when you get laid out. off. So. so treatments weren't taking... Hopes and prayers weren't really working. At some point, though, another decision was made, i.e. adoption. When did that come up as a serious option, and what was that conversation like? Well... And then when did you start telling people that's where you were going? We had talked before we got married about um, how many kids each of us wanted and would you be open to adoption or not I always felt open to adoption Paul said he was open to it we never said before or after we have biological children we were just both open to it so even before mm-hmm. we got married we knew we were open to it um, we don't we didn't know anybody who'd adopted I really didn't have anybody in my circle mm-hmm. that I could ask about it or mm-hmm. family um, but I'd say after I lost my job it was really like okay we need we need something that's going to be guaranteed let's look at what the cost of adoption is and what how long does it take does are there what are the instances you know what percentage of people come home with children mm-hmm. and it's almost guaranteed we learned you know as long as you do all your paperwork because the way you things. went though yeah yeah and that's the conversation we had earlier when you were talking about domestic as far as yeah you want to kind of we, explain we that we did a lot of, we did a lot of research whether we wanted to do domestic or international or mm-hmm. you know we looked into fostering you know all those kind of options of what's available and we were looking for you know we've already been on an emotional roller coaster you know mm-hmm. at that point we were looking for okay what's what's the most guaranteed route mm-hmm. to get through this and so after looking at it all, really, I don't know if it's still the same today or not. I'm guessing it is. Domestic adoption is just a mess. Um, it's not guaranteed. There's a lot of fraud. Um, there, There's not really any closed adoptions anymore mm-hmm. dom- domestically. You so say what a closed adoption is. A closed is. adoption is when the, the biological mother doesn't know who who's getting the child. Right. All the biological family. It's yeah. sealed. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, a sealed kind of a deal. So they so, can't show up at your door and say, hey, right. things have changed. See I would like my child back. Yeah. yeah. Right. <coughs> Pardon me. So, And some people are okay with that. And mm-hmm. I have a I have a friend who is there. They have a good relationship with a biological mother, mm-hmm. you know, and it works out that way. But mm-hmm. you know what? 
a lot of other people it doesn't work out that way that's right <laughs> and and for us it was more of the we're a young couple and we're like we don't want three years from now the the knock yeah. at the door yeah you know and then all of a sudden i want my child back you know and then you're in legal battles and everything else after you've already invested all of that money mm-hmm. and our and you love know, and your heart is yeah, in that yeah. child as your own you know and all those things so so yeah i mean all of that comes into play so so you guys are now have you've made the decision physical childbirth is not on the table at this point you settled on adoption did you have out of country options or was it this country or Europe or did you have options well I, I wanna but you said settled on adoption and that's fine we didn't settle for adoption I want that to be clear these children are not second best and I don't think at all that's what you're hinting no, but for people sorry. who may have misunderstood that this is not a second best option for us this is a different option mm-hmm um, absolutely so but yes we did have lots of country options when we started calling around different adoption agencies we found out there were lots and lots of well 10 or 12 countries mm-hmm. that would work with the United States in adoptions how did they advertise the different countries did they give you a book with different you, you had to basically pick adoption different different adoption agencies mm-hmm. worked with different countries and so you'd have that to kind of go through whatever you know we looked at several different adoption agencies and you kind of have to look at their record and the countries mm-hmm. you, you kind of do your own research because some countries you know there's you know you've you've heard there's some stuff fraud and stuff that even goes on internationally yeah. Yeah, so i mean we wanted straightforward clear-cut no shady business you know where is that mm-hmm. and so we we picked uh, an adoption agency who we thought had a really upstanding reputation they were local um, they had local meetings that we could go to monthly and they offered classes we could meet we you know once you picked a country which we did the the, our, the country they represent the uh, adoption agency we used had three or four or five countries they represented they lots of countries it was mm-hmm. china russia kazakhstan they had uh, i don't know if it was ethiopia or not yet they did eventually yeah and yeah. Uh, colombia um so there was lots of so we'd go in these meetings and uh, when we first started there was probably 50 to 100 people oh, in these meetings i think more than 100 yeah and then they would talk just generally or they mm-hmm. would have some basic classes for people for understanding adoption and child behavior all those kind mm-hmm. of things so you, you really had to learn what all you're up against basically well that was one thing we loved about the agency was they provided so much education That's as part good. of the package yeah. you know and then we were able to meet in our country groups and we were able to talk about specific issues with that country mm-hmm. you know and then people were coming back with their children they'd bring them to the meetings and we're able to I see know. the children mm-hmm. and they would talk about their experiences in the country anything scary and is. uh i mean adoption itself can <laughs> or like from other people's stories yeah I, I mean it, a lot of it was just more motivating than anything because mm-hmm. you come back That's and good. you see these 
beautiful children that mm-hmm. you know were just abandoned and it's it's crazy you know and but you know like Colombia which is the country we settled on you know they have sibling groups of I mean they were more known for having sibling yeah. groups mm-hmm. and things like that so we'd see families come back with three four five children at a time and that was common yeah mm-hmm. and it was rare to see and, one child you know when we were going yeah. through this we started off we just want a baby two and that's two what years i was gonna say under. did you expect that then no we, we were on the baby list we're like there's no way i'm gonna mm-hmm. go in right. this adopting more than just a baby mm-hmm. and so we got on the baby list which at the time when we first started it was supposed to be like 12 to 18 12 months. to 18 mm-hmm. weeks is what they, they told time. us yeah. and you know they're just guessing they do the best they can but it's really oh, up yeah. to the country to decide who win their selection it's not the adoption agency mm-hmm. they just kind of help facilitate mm-hmm. that and so you know it was 2005 when we were able to we had to wait till your that was one thing that helped us determine what country we picked was your age so like china mm. you had to be 30, 30 I think. over 30 years old you know and at the time we're 22 23 years old mm-hmm. you know yeah. and so we had to wait for christina to turn 25 even to even adopt from, from columbia to even mm-hmm. apply so in yeah. 2000 and that was one of the reasons why we chose columbia too is because we were able to do it at a younger age than yeah. even some of the other countries <clears throat> and so and we liked their process you know and we knew it was a the reputation of the how the the children's agencies within Colombia were really upstanding. They mm-hmm. had great policies in place to make sure the children were healthy. You know all those things. So nothing illegal. All those mm-hmm. kind of things were. Did know, they place. run a background check on you guys and how extensive was oh, that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it takes what a year. Yeah, to go through it everything? It took at least six months to put our dossier together. It's a mountain of paperwork. And they paper. checked yeah. everything. When you weren't old enough yet quite anyways, right? Well, I get, we applied can't. through the agency. Yeah, you can't. And then once I was 25, we started working on the You dossier. can't start filling out the paperwork. The dossier is just yeah. kind of the book of all your paperwork you have to fill mm-hmm. out. You have to go to psychologists. you got to mm-hmm. have people come in your home and interview you. You have mm-hmm. to write papers you've got immigration paperwork you've got visas you've got i don't even remember everything medical, <clears throat> medical exams medical exams they want to know if they, they you are an open book yeah. i mean mm-hmm. you have to go we in knowing yeah. yeah they're going to do fbi checks they're checking yeah. everything they can possibly check yeah. and you just have to and that's why anymore i'm like i don't care you can check whatever work you're right. doing on me i've already been there's nothing you can scan that hasn't been scanned on me so click on there we go okay everybody uh we are back i had to pause in case you didn't notice i may not edit this a whole lot but there was something i said that i had to pause and address and ask for forgiveness um i want to rewind to the point back a little bit verbally um a lot of people there's a learning curve to adoption and maybe Christina you can explain the mindset and verbiage Mm -hmm. and my faux pas (laughs) sure and this is something that we picked up on um, in 
our classes at the adoption agency too or um, reading other people's blogs as they went through their process because that was like our light at the end of the tunnel was to read other people's experiences and none of them are the same mm -hmm. and mine is not the same as anybody else's but um, I you so innocently said settled on mm -hmm. adoption which I so appreciate that because you didn't say settled for and I said, look, it's, we didn't settle for anything, mm -hmm. and I understand that's not what you meant. And there are things that people said in complete innocence that, that just hurt my heart. And it's just because they've just never been through the process, mm -hmm. and they don't understand when you say things sometimes you're actually not helping as much as you want to help and you want to be encouraging mm -hmm. it's not helpful some of those things were um, you know this took this process took a whole lot longer than what they told us in the beginning and so people had doubts or then they would say are you sure that they're not just trafficking children and that mm -hmm. that would hurt me so bad because Paul and I we're going to these monthly meetings. Mm -hmm. We're doing everything we're asked to do. It all feels legitimate. Um, I mean, we're talking about bringing children from a different family and a different country and a different culture mm -hmm. across the border into our family with a completely different culture, yeah. completely different language. And so I understand that people would begin to think, you know, maybe they're just taking your money and running, but that wasn't the case. People didn't know that, but we're at, at these meetings, and we see family after family after mm -hmm. family from multiple countries coming through with their children, and they're, they have the same um, uh, process. You know, their stories are all different, mm -hmm. but, you know, once we got this paperwork in, and then with this week we were here, and this week we were there, it's all lining up. Mm -hmm. People on the outside don't see that. And no. they don't understand how hurtful that is to suggest that because we've put years of work into this. You were living and breathing that. Yeah. And it was our hope. It was the mm -hmm. focus of our life. Mm -hmm. There's people who said, I don't remember. Somebody said something at work one time, and it pretty much just shut it down for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I went in and told my boss, look, somebody said this. It's not appropriate, it's hurtful, and I'm done talking about this adoption. Mm -hmm. So I want you to know I'm done. Um, people would say so hopefully, you know, um, well, we're still praying you have your own kids, and that to me... As if the adopted kids wouldn't be good enough. Exactly. Or, yep. And not only that, but I'm the problem. Yep. It's my... Yeah. Physical, it's the way I was made that's prohibiting that. Mm -hmm. And this is how things are. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing everything I can to bring children into this family. I feel called to be a mom. I really want to be a mom. And that's still not good enough for you. You're still mm -hmm. going to pray for something else. And I know they didn't mean that. Yeah. And it took me years Perfect. to figure out how to express that. Mm -hmm. um, the guilt, I can imagine the guilt yeah. that you felt, not nothing you could do to control that either. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just have to realize 
people's innocent ignorance and yeah. you just have to walk away from that's it that's right yeah because some right. people you, you can't correct them you just yeah. you know some people you can educate through the process and sometimes yeah. it's like you just have to walk mm -hmm. away and that's all part of going through the whole process is getting a thick skin and mm -hmm. the whole education process of you're going to hear people oh well you couldn't have children of your own you know those yeah, kind of right. and it's like no mm -hmm. <laughs> these children will be my own i that's promise right. you that that's right so so you know the, you just have to be careful because i'm you know in the process i'm not looking to beat people with right <laughs> with, oh, right oh it's just but you have to understand they just they just don't understand mm -hmm. they didn't have the same go through the same process the emotional roller course everything we did to go through this process mm -hmm. to get where we were so and and on that same note i've I wanted to rewind a little bit too and talk a little bit about some of my spiritual experiences of, that got me to the point of being able to be ready to adopt mm -hmm. because we weren't ready at the same time. So we were going through these emotional roller coasters with the fertility treatments and things like that and we had started talking about, okay, well, adoptions probably going to be the way we might have to go you know those kind of things and yeah I, I kind of had assumed when we were talking about adoption you know early on in our marriage or even before that okay adoption might be after we had mm -hmm. biological children and yeah we might go and s see what that's about not not that oh hey this is going to be what we're going to do, <laughs> do mm -hmm. right away you know and so you know that's a that's like a complete mind mind change you know oh, a yeah. path change and you for me you weren't expecting it to become the reality I, so well yeah it was just a you know am i ready to go on that path you know and it was a am i ready to give up on this am i you know on the on the fertility stuff and i was i was struggling you know of making that switch mm -hmm. and i was from the spiritual it, end of things too how hard was it to say you know, do we trust God a little bit longer? Yeah. Because everything's in His time. So how long well, do we wait is. before we decide, you know? Well, and I was, you know, it got to the point where I was just emotionally drained, mm -hmm. done. It's one of those times where you're just like, I've got nothing left but to give it to you, Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where you're at. Yeah. We're, you know, we're Christians, we, you know, and so... We believe in Christ and the love of Jesus Christ and that he's with us and alive and he mm -hmm. gives us guidance and direction, those kind of things. And on the way home from work one day, I was just pouring my heart out to God in my truck on 435 <laughs> rush hour traffic. I'm sitting there. I've got nothing else to think about other than this, this, you know, gigantic, you know, pressure and strain and stress that was just... Uh, it was difficult and so I was just Lord I I don't know what to do I I need guidance and direction I need I need I need you you know mm -hmm. and in that moment when I said that uh, the Lord put in put an image in my mind and it was a complete black background yeah just like in space mm -hmm. <laughs> and the earth came into picture in my mind and a hand pointed to the earth and I could see a hand with a just the index finger pointing to the earth and it's and and he said to my mind I have a child for you and in that moment I knew exactly what he was telling me hmm. was that 
adoption was the path we were going to be on and all the strain all the stress all the mental turmoil all of the fertility treatments all of that just melted away into pure happiness for me and that okay the lord gave me the direction i needed to know okay this is the path we're gonna go mm -hmm. and what an awesome experience that was for me for to be you. able to relieve that to walk home and tell christina you know oh, i'm on board <laughs> you know well let's let's do this where so. were you at that point were you were you relieved then when he said that did you feel the same peace or were there still some questions and i was already on the path mm -hmm. i mean i already was like well okay this is just the next step mm -hmm. she was on the research she was already I, searching yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> i was ready to apply yeah. i was yeah. ready to pick a place and That's i think awesome. we had I and i was we i was had already applied to the agency i think even yeah, at that point i was already going down the path but yeah. i mentally wasn't there right 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 and so i had i was trying to catch up mm -hmm. you yeah. know and and that's when I broke through the gate. The Lord allowed me to mm -hmm. to see that that path was okay, mm -hmm. you know, that the, yeah. and to understand, you know, just to understand that gave me a gigantic. What a relief. gift so, that was! And yeah. saying that, it reminds me of my favorite scripture in Psalms, where it says, and it actually it's it's it starts out saying, "Be still," mm -hmm. and then it goes on to say, "And know that I am." But I always stick with the first two words be still because what you two went through was turmoil turmoil chaos confusion heartache heartbreak you were forgetting about the part that god said if you two would just be quiet i have something for you and it yeah. took you a long time to remember that verse and some powerful force said paul just be still there's a there's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song that goes right along mm -hmm. with that and it's called be still and know that I am God mm -hmm. and whenever uh, Abby and I sing that sometimes for church mm -hmm. and uh, it's one of those it, it breaks me up because it's it is it brings that testimony right to the forefront yeah. of you know the best time to listen to God is when you're still in in your your quiet right. places it's basically a call so, to work yeah. so, hey if you would just shut up for a minute yeah. Look what I How many times has that been our calling <laughs> within the last ninety Stop days? Stop talking or at so? me and listen. Yes. <laughs> I'm giving you the answers if you would just try quit trying to figure it all yeah. out. Close the mouthful me. for a minute. Yep. <laughs> but it, but it's a deeper meaning than that. It's not uh, a be quiet, quit talking. It's no. your whole body, your whole spirit. Yeah. It's literally stay in one spot. Don't move. Don't do anything. Because in a crowd, you hear the crowd. You don't hear one voice unless it's right here. You literally have to learn to just close down shop. To me, I, I liken it to the old days of tuning the radio, you know, mm -hmm. getting rid of the static, you, you know. Yep. You turn the dial and you get you until the static goes away. And that's what you have. That's where the relationship part of, of being with Christ is, is getting rid of the static you mm -hmm. got to tune in and that's part of having the relationship with them that that difficult part is you got to right. you got to dial that in you know because he's there he wants to talk to you he wants to give you that information but he wants you to kind of work for it a little mm -hmm. bit and to find him and by doing that you got to you got to turn the knob 
Otherwise, all you're going to hear is static. You're going to point that satellite dish. You've got to do everywhere. It's important. Okay, so you guys walked down the path. You did everything you could do. You were accepted. At what moment did it become reality? Like, okay, this is where we're at. And then airport time. It took a long time. There's a lot that happened between those two things. <clears throat> we started the process in 2004. We didn't travel until 2009. Wow. So. It was 2005 when we started, because that's the year. Well, going, I was yeah. talking about when we started oh, yeah, conversations. For, oh, oh yeah. Until, Adoption, I mean, our whole yeah. process started in really in 2004. 2004. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, we went through the start of the process of getting child, trying to get one child. And uh, under two years, and we waited on that list for a long time. Over three mm -hmm. years. Yeah, three years, and there were still people in front of us. Um, there was no movement, and it was getting to the point where the process was starting to feel very burdensome. You know, another Christmas, we already had the nursery set up. You know, we mm -hmm. had <laughs> we had the crib. We had all those things in there. And it was gathering dust. Mm -hmm. And we got to the point where another Christmas went by, you know, and it was difficult because we thought by that point we were already going to have a child in our home. And mm -hmm. here we are, we're, you know, three years into this, another another Christmas has gone by where family's like, where, where is this child? You know, mm -hmm. all you have to answer all those questions again another year. Well, and that's really the year that people started asking. You know, they, they had been patient. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give them credit for that. They had been waiting with us. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, by that third Christmas, they, they were starting to ask questions. And it was hard to push through that Christmas for multiple reasons. So many things happened. Well, and we had to come to reality too we started having some conversations of okay we get this one child is that good enough or mm -hmm. are we planning on going back through this process again <laughs> you know yeah. you start thinking about those when we go to these monthly meetings and we see these people going through these mm -hmm. meetings and coming home with two three four five children at a time and it, it really the wheels start turning of do we jump lists and go to another yeah. list what do we do can we handle that I mean that's a whole complete mentality change mm -hmm. of when you're starting to change lists like that's that. that's part of God being patient with us yeah. and putting us in the in his time and us trying to tune into him is um, um, you just rarely saw in Colombia one child come home I mean through the whole process of four or five years of waiting we saw like three or four families come home with one child everybody else had three or more kids mm -hmm. so we had seen literally dozens of families come home with three kids three to like six kids mm -hmm. at once and they were doing it they were making it work and we were building relationships with yeah. them too and yeah. meeting these children going okay well maybe this is possible mm -hmm. you know <laughs> before you're like are you crazy getting Yeah, three that's kids a big leap of faith. And then they also, they sent out <clears throat> that particular program 
um, Columbia allowed them to send out um, a tiny bit of information about kids who were on what they call their waiting list. So these are sibling groups were always mm -hmm. on the waiting list, um, the waiting children. It could be um, this child had TB or um, this child lost a finger or they're born with an extra finger mm -hmm. and they, they weren't put on that healthy kids list. These kids were mostly perfectly healthy. Mm -hmm. There are a few who they already knew maybe had learning disabilities or something, mm -hmm. but they wanted those kids to have families. Yep. And so that country allowed the agency to forward a just like two sentences. Age, sometimes you got their name, sometimes you didn't. Sometimes you got their picture, sometimes you didn't. So month after month, we're seeing these kids that are like mostly healthy, but their yep. sibling groups come through and you know, if, if the oldest one is 10 and here we are 27 28 yeah. that's yeah that's kind of close in age to us yeah so but but we knew that was an option mm -hmm. and there's kids that got you saw those families that took those waiting kids mm -hmm. because they'd be in the next month's issue with their kids that's right <laughs> yeah. all right so you guys are on the plane what was the excitement level? Well, what's stress? How about the announcement first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At what point <laughs> well, did we'll you talk, know we'll what? We'll talk to you through about how we switched lists and all that. If yeah, you want. yeah, do so that. Just, yeah, so we switched. So we we made the determination. All right, we're going to switch lists. So mm -hmm. that included we had to update our home study. Mm -hmm. We had to make it where we had to actually resubmit it because of how you have to be approved to be able. Can you handle three children? Do you understand what that entails? Wow. I mean, so. It took probably two or three months for us to Just revise our months. home study. Mm -hmm. So we, we went through that process and updated it and submitted it to the country. And we were approved very quickly. Yeah, I once think we it submitted in April. Yeah. And we were approved by July wow. yeah. for multiple children. And then we waited by July. We, by November, October? December. December, we were selected for for three children. We had submitted for three children um, is what we had asked for. With one being a baby, which meant yeah. two years and younger. Yeah, we asked okay. if, if one of the three could be under two years. Mm -hmm. The other two, we had asked that they, we, you know, you can kind of give a ballpark and right. they can try, you know, you never, right. you never know, but we, I think we said under eight. All, we would prefer all of them be under eight years old if possible. Mm -hmm. But other than that, under eight, and then one of them being under two if possible. Mm -hmm. So, and then we got selected and they, in that December, and so we got a picture of the three healthy little pretty young ladies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ages two, four, and six. Two, four, and six awesome. years old. And, uh, and yeah, and then we we're off and running. So that happened in December, and then we traveled in January. Mm -hmm. So that happened quickly after you made that decision. Once you, you get that selection, yeah, did you that go. kind of bump you to the front of the bus, so to speak? Like the sibling lists go. I mean, you're. It's like the fast lane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> On so, this end, I yeah. want to say in Colombia, they <clears throat> they do as thorough of a job to get those children in with yeah. Colombian families as they can. Colombian families always get selected first. They 
they always do and you know that going in mm -hmm. look if the economy is up in Colombia there's going to be more adoptive families mm -hmm. and you're going to get bumped down that list and that happened mm -hmm. that's what happened to the baby list yeah was their economy went up and so the babies instead of going through their abandonment process and getting adopted internationally they mm -hmm. ended up staying within the country right. because they were staying with the family and that's great mm -hmm. i think that's oh yeah that's well, that's, that's optimal attractive to us. yeah yeah and we and that's why we're like we can't really gripe because those children are where they need to that's be that's right so the abandonment process in colombia is very extensive it takes a year for them to go through the third six months well they have to be I mean, they have to be like publicized on a on a mm -hmm. television station mm -hmm. for so long, so that extended family can come try mm -hmm. to claim. I mean, they Social go through. Social services gets involved, and you get the report on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do psychological yeah. evaluations. It's it's a very extensive. So what you they know go their through. background ahead of time as much as possible. Yeah, we got too. we got a lot of paperwork on the kids that had like psychological evaluations for each mm -hmm. child and things you know just personality things that was mm -hmm. it was cool to see and yeah. it was amazing how accurate a lot of that mm -hmm. paperwork was too i was kind of surprised it was you know it, it changes over time of course oh, but yeah. it was nice to at least have a ballpark of kind of their personalities a mm -hmm. little bit before we went down there so so what did it feel like when you're finally on that plane and you were ready to go were you excited were you terrified <laughs> Both. <laughs> so when, when did reality set in? Like, okay, it's, when, it's go time. For me, it was when we got the pictures. You mm -hmm. know, you see those little faces, mm -hmm. your life changes. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, and it's it was so funny. It was like three girls. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like three three children. Surely there's got to be a boy in there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that's okay. You got three girls. Right. Three, three wonderful, healthy baby, little, not baby, but little girls. So, yeah. and amazing. So, and now you're on, you're on the plane. You're in the air. You land. Do you feel like at some point, like time wasn't moving fast enough? Did you want to wish you could fast forward through time and just grab and take them back? What well, What was it like down there? How long did it take before you could actually see them, and then so forth and so on? Well, for me, um, when we landed, that's when it felt like nobody was holding our hand anymore in this process. Because we weren't, you know, then we actually, I mean, it was literally foot to pavement. We had to work our way through the airport. Somebody didn't meet us there. Mm -hmm. It was nighttime. It was dark. Um, you go through customs on your own. That was scary to me. Um, but there, you know, you just hope your taxi cab driver takes you to the place you're mm -hmm. supposed to go because you're, they're not waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And all of that lined up. And yes, the bed and breakfast was waiting for us. And we had to stay one night in, um, the capital city. Bogota. Yep. And uh, yeah, by that time I was like, let's just go get these kids. I just want to see these kids. I've. I'm here. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Well, Let's yeah. just go. Yeah. But the next day we had to fly into their city, um, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. it, that was amazing. Yeah, amazing. we went to... Don't say the name. Oh, I want to... But we flew into the city and it was like 
paradise. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's in the Andes Mountains. And mm-hmm. it's, you got tropical. Tr- it's tropical. You see tropical birds. You see pineapples and bananas. And mm-hmm. I mean, all the stuff that yeah. are just growing all, you know. Oh, yeah. The trucks driving by full of bananas or whatever. Wow. And fresh fruit stands, mm-hmm. you know. And you walk in this beautiful bed and breakfast we got to stay in. And it was amazing. Well, it was January so, when we traveled. Yeah. We're in the Midwest. It's, it is dead out here. In yeah, the Midwest. Oh, yeah. And we go to Columbia. And there's like just tropical foliage everything's green yeah. it's warm we're driving with the windows like you said down. paradise yeah. you're surrounded yes. by green mountains and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These, i mean it was it was picturesque oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. beautiful when adoption became what it was um cost obviously shifted now was going down to columbia was that an expense all on its own? You guys are down there, what, a month, right? We were down there about four weeks. So that that had to have been a we, whole other level of cost. Well, once we knew we were going down the adoption process, we had, you know, five years where we were doing mm-hmm. fundraiser dinners. We were doing everything. We, could. we had several fundraisers. Any fundraiser. We were making Christmas wreaths. We were selling anything we possibly spaghetti could dinners. spaghetti dinners we were doing all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. people were very generous with us and helping us raise money which we had to do because you know you're you're flying to another country you're having to stay in a bed and breakfast for basically four weeks yeah. you know and was then, that a requirement that you had to stay there for that long before well, you yeah. came home okay yeah because you have to go through all the court systems mm-hmm. all the legalities of of them becoming legally yours. Mm-hmm. So you have to go through the adoption yeah. process down there. In so that, that takes so time. Yeah, we had to. I had to physically go to each one of the cities that they were born in, mm-hmm. and go to the registrar's office, and they had to mm-hmm. like change all their paperwork to our names down mm-hmm. in Colombia before we could even travel back to Bogota. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was legal all the way down to their birth certificates mm-hmm. in Colombia. So was that part nerve wracking too? Worrying about you know if. If one one thing slips by, then maybe this won't happen. It, it's it's a be. it's a long process, but uh, you know our adoption agency walked us through it so That's well. Good. They, they did, had yeah. great staff down there that they helped walk us through. The lawyers we had were fantastic. Mm-hmm. We had translators that they lined up for us that would help us down in the country. Uh, the bed and breakfast knew why we were there. They they, they specialized in yeah, helping mm-hmm. adoptive families. Oh, they did. So they surrounded us with people that were our support, mm-hmm. and it was it was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. It had to be a game changer. You didn't feel it so was. alone, then. right? Yeah, well, because all the families at the bed and breakfast are going through the same thing, True. and those families. I know there was a German family yep. there, and they got two Italian. children. Was there some Italians? Mm-hmm. Some people from Spain Mm -hmm. and so everybody's like on the same page we're all going this is all our first day together yeah we all just got these kids we don't know what we're doing (laughs) nobody's judging you we'll figure it out together yeah Yeah. Yeah. it was it was really cool to see other perspectives from other people we got to know the people from Germany pretty Mm -hmm. well while we were there yeah and just to talk to them about their process I mean they Mm -hmm. were using a different agency but we Mm -hmm. all just kind of happened to be there at the same time yeah, and it was it was just a, it was a it was awesome while mm-hmm. we were there. They treated us so kindly. The people there were wonderful. You know, you hear about Colombia, and 
you think the worst, you know, uh -huh. but at the time when we were down there, Columbia was very peaceful. We had mm -hmm. no safety problems. Mm -hmm. uh, it was glorious. We traveled all over Every the place. We took the kids to a lot of the highlight places around town. Mm -hmm. Our bed and breakfast had, had their own driver that she let us use, and mm -hmm. we, we paid for his time, but he would take us to parks and you know, a lot mm -hmm. of beautiful places where we could take the kids and things like that. So that in-country was some of the best memories for me of mm -hmm. allowing us to, some bonding time just together with just without outside interference. Before we take you out of your element. Yeah, you know, before you're inrushed with all these family that yeah. want to <laughs> meet yeah. you, you yeah. have this opportunity to just be with your children. Was there ever a point... Um, when you guys were down there, where a we either we were ever in a position like safety might have been a factor, like or or worse yet, was there ever a point when you ever worry about, hey, what if this, what if we get down there and something changes, or were you locked in? This is what we're going for. You know what I'm saying? Was there? Yeah. Um. I think, for me, uh, I trusted the process. I mean, we've we've seen it so many times with so many other families. We had really good people around us, like I said. So I didn't, you know, something could always happen. But I mean, we trusted the process. Mm -hmm. It was very well organized. Yeah, I was gonna say it didn't have a lot established. of that. You know, and two, mm -hmm. as soon as we got in the country where or the city where the children were. It was, let's see, we flew in that morning, mm -hmm. dropped our stuff off. Went and to we, lunch with the owner yeah, of the bed and that's breakfast. that's right, yeah. And she asked us, so we had, I'd learned a little bit of Spanish in high school and college. The owner of the bed and breakfast, she was learning English. So we were about the same level with each other's language. And she was asking us, well, where are your children? You know, do you know where they're coming from which organization or whatever and so we told her and she said oh well I volunteer there that's and awesome you're super familiar with the place familiar uh -huh. with the children the, oh they're really good to the kids there and you know they've been really well taken care of I know they have yeah so that was really cool mm -hmm. so by the next day we get up and we go and we have the children mm -hmm. by that next I mean so we don't have a lot of time to think about things it's right we walk into Probably a room. Probably a good thing. <laughs> it is. It is. And you, there's a lot of weight. I mean, you go, you travel, you go, you get, go to a room, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden they come busting through the door. You mm -hmm. know, these beautiful kids, and they, mm -hmm. you could tell they were well prepared before they got to us, mm -hmm. you know. That's and awesome. uh, they walked in, and they were like, Mommy, Daddy, you know, things like that, which is... I mean, maybe one of them was like... Yeah, I mean, they, were, they had the petrified look, but you could tell they were prepared by yep. the people of, the, go in there, you know? Yep. And they were doing their best to play the part. They were. Mm -hmm. They were trying to be brave. They were trying so hard. They were dressed up in these beautiful, brand-new dresses, and mm -hmm. their hair was all done oh, pristinely. hours on them. You know, and it was it was wonderful. It was mm -hmm. a great first meeting, and, and we took them back to our bread and breakfast, and that's when we had several, a couple weeks of just getting to know them, you know. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. So you, you mentioned they were, the door opened and in walked three beautiful angels. Were you told, so let's flip it a minute. 
What was it like on their side? What was their prep like? Okay, everybody, this concludes the first of two installments. Please check out the second one. Thanks. Thank you.